Philippians chapter number one. Book of Philippians chapter number one. Thank you for being in the house of God today. For setting aside time to come together. It's important. Scripture is clear. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Even so much the more as you see the day approaching. And uh, I'd get concerned. I'd, I'd get concerned if it gets easy for me to miss church. Just telling you. If it gets easy for you, I'd be concerned. Um, we need to come together. I, if you've been around here any length of time at all, you know we're not about the building or, or about just a service. But it's important to come together. And so thank you for setting aside time to come together it benefits all of us we all gain from that we gain from one another and I'm so thankful that you've made it a priority thank you Philippians chapter 1 the apostle Paul is writing from a jail cell Writing from a jail cell. I've never written from one of those. I stood in one. I was just touring. Some of y'all stood in one too, so don't laugh at me. But thank God he's a freedom giver. Amen. Um, I spent a few hours at Alcatraz, and that told me I never wanted to be in one. But Paul was writing from a jail cell, and that jail cell was God's design. It's where God had him. He had to get him still. Paul had, and I feel the Holy Ghost right now. In Jesus' name. The Apostle Paul had a heart to go and minister the gospel. He said that there was a dispensation of the gospel or a period of time of the gospel that was committed to him. And he said, woe unto him if I don't preach the gospel. The Lord knew that about him. God had put that in him. He was a man of great zeal. The Lord also knew he had some things that Paul needed to write not just to the churches that he had established, but so that they would be written for you and I. And the Lord knew that because of what I've put in him and his passionate pursuit of my will, I'll never get him to sit still long enough 
to write what I need them to write unless I just get them in a jail cell. Sometimes the Lord brings things into your life so that you can't go and do and you only can be with him. So you can sit there and feel sorry for yourself or you can decide, I'm going to use this place for time with him. It may not be for all of you, but it's for somebody today. I'm going to be with him. Well, let's go where I think we're going. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 3. He's writing. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Isn't that a beautiful thing to say? I, I can... I can relate to that with Paul. Was Paul saying that he didn't remember things he wished people that he had loved and ministered to hadn't done? No, he was just choosing to remember the things God had done in their lives. And he said, I thank my God. See, you and I choose what we remember. We choose what we remember. And we can thank God for the things we want to remember, or we can dwell on the things that we wish we could forget. Look, Paul had pastored some heathens. He had proselytized some heathens. He didn't say, I remember when you were filthy, rotten, good for nothing. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He was just remembering all the stuff God had done in there. You choose what you remember. We're going to get somewhere, I think. Verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine for you. For you all, making requests with joy. For your fellowship. Hey, that's in there. I didn't, I'm really not going to talk about that today, I don't think. But there it is. If you weren't here Thursday night, please go on YouTube and listen. Watch Thursday night, please. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now. I want you to notice verse 6, familiar to many of us. He was writing to a group of people. Well, let's just read. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day. Of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. Praise God. For God is my record. Isn't that beautiful? He was saying, I'm accountable to God. For God is my record. How greatly I long after you all. In the bowels of Jesus Christ. He was saying, this isn't human compassion. 
my longing after you all is, is birth of God. Lord, I thank you today for your word. I pray that you, the almighty God, would continue to speak with us today according to your design. By your grace, Lord, I ask that utterance would be given to speak that which is needful for the heart that would hear today words of life, not the words of men, but the word of God. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for it, Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. Paul was, this is such a, a beautiful passage of Scripture here. The Philippian church, you know, it's interesting to me that Paul is writing his letter from a jail cell because the Philippian church started in a jail cell. You may not remember that, but if you go back to the book of Acts, you find that Paul and Silas were cast in prison. And in prison, they were in stocks and bonds, and about midnight, they began to pray. And as they began to pray, the Spirit of the Lord began to move, and the place shook, and they were free, and all the prisoners were free. Anybody remember that story? And the jailer was sleeping, and he awoke from his sleep and sprang in, and he saw them all loosed, and he was going to fall on his sword and kill himself, the jailer, because he thought, man, they're going to kill me when they find out I couldn't control all these people. But Paul and Silas said, do yourself no harm, we're all here. And they began to minister to that jailer. He was a Philippian jailer. And, man, if this is not for you today, it will be. I hope whoever this is for, maybe it's just for me. If not today, it will be. There are tremendous and powerful things of God born in places of isolation. It's just a matter of perspective. Paul and Silas were in jail and they chose to praise and worship God. And a church was born. A congregation was born. A new work was born. The church was already living, of course. So this, I'm sure that this Philippian church had a special place in Paul's heart. Every time he thought about them, he probably thought back to that night. Him and Silas were there and they 
first met that jailer, and that jailer began to wash their wounds and clean up their wounds, and then took them to their took them to his house and fed them, and then he met that Philippian jailer's family, and then he baptized him when they shared the gospel with him, baptized him in his house in the name of Jesus, and Paul was thanking God on every remembrance. I don't think Paul thought, I hope he's thankful that I was in that prison. I hope he understands that I don't think there was any sense of arrogance or ego in Paul's spirit about that. He recognized what I was going through was God's design not for me alone, but for God's purpose. Not just in Paul's life, but through Paul's life. See, this is, this is the shift we have to make in our lives in living for God. I can't just live looking for what benefits me in my relationship with God, but how is God wanting to use me and however he chooses to use me, even when it inconveniences me, as long as his purpose is fulfilled, so be it. Whether prison or palace, whether much or little, as long as God's purpose is fulfilled, then my life is fulfilled. That's what it means not to live for myself, but to live for Christ. This is why Paul said, To live is Christ. To die is gain. What does it mean to die is gain? Well, if I die, it means I'm passing from this life. Then I'm going to gain what I've been living for. See, the adversary of your soul and mine wants us to focus on this life and what we can gain in this life. Because if the adversary can get us focused on what we'll gain in this life will throw away eternal life. But if I'm willing to lose my life in this life, I'll gain eternal life if I'll lose my life for Christ. And so the adversary seeks to always get us focused on this life. The Apostle Paul, from this jail cell, was seeking to encourage the church at Philippi. He was writing this letter back to them. It's a very short letter. It's a beautiful letter, just the three chapters. And I think uh, if I look real quick here, 83 verses and three short chapters. But it was a beautiful letter of encouragement of love and joy, and he was writing from a jail cell. Paul, in tune with the Holy Ghost, wasn't just writing a letter from human compassion, but from the Spirit was addressing them as he penned. I just imagine he was left-handed. I don't know. <laughs> I'm left-handed. So if you want to, why do you imagine that? But notice his encouragement to them and his prayer. He makes this statement to them, I'm confident of this very thing, verse number 6. 
This is what I'm confident of. He was wanting them to hear it and lay hold on it. He wanted them to understand his confidence was placed somewhere. This is what I'm confident in. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. I'm confident of that. The Apostle Paul was trying to get them to realize what God started in you some time ago. He didn't just start something in you so you could just fall off the wagon and never live in the fullness of what he intended. But I have a confidence, Paul said, because I've been praying, right? He'd been praying. I have a confidence that what God has started in you, He is going to perform it. Someone please hear what the Word of the Lord says today. Where you are today is not the end of what God intends in your life. And what God has started in you, as you and I remain submitted to the will and the work of God, God will perform what He started. He'll finish what He began in your life. You may say, but I mess of things. I've done this. I've done that. I've missed the mark. I've fallen short. I'm not talking about what you've done. I'm talking about what God started. See, we focus on what I've done, what I did, what I didn't do, where I missed, what I... And that's the desire of the adversary. If somehow, by the grace of God, the Spirit of God and the Word of God today could arrest our hearts and attentions to get us again to focus on what God has started in us. Anybody, you know, I remember when I was five years old. I don't remember a lot about when I was five years old, but there's one thing I remember very distinctly when I was five years old. I remember a black and white bathroom. It seemed like the biggest bathroom I'd ever been in in my life. My aunt and uncle in North Carolina had this house. They sold it. Sort of pained me a little bit when they sold it. I understood they had to, but they lived there most of my life. As a kid and a young adult. And they had this bathroom. It had black tile floor. And it had these walls with wallpaper that had these like, um, I don't even know what you call the designs. Um, I don't know. Sort of like a fleur de lis. Anybody know what that is? Like the New Orleans Saints. There you go. Anybody know what that logo looks like? Uh, you're like, Fleur de Lee, what is he talking about? Uh, just sort of these design. All, it was like this um, black wallpaper. You think, man, that was a black bat. No, it was like really elegant, right? It was really fancy and elegant. It was like white wallpaper, but it had these velvet black Fleur de Lee all the way down them, you know, so you could touch them. It felt sort of velvety. And, and, and it had this marble counter and these double sinks and this huge mirror that ran the whole length of them. And, and then down at the end, like, so like if you walked in, you guys getting this picture? If you walk, I'm five years old, remember? You walk in the bathroom door and you, there's, there I think they had a little sitting bench over here. And, and then all the way down at the end, like about where the door is there, it was long. And there was a, a bathtub there and it had a window, you know. That When I was five years old, I watched my 18-month-older sister get baptized in that bathtub in Jesus' name for the remission of sin. And then when she was done, I, I stepped in that bathtub, Brother Joel. Sat down, and I remember being baptized. 
That's why it pained me when they sold the house. I could never go and visit it again. I guess I could. I thought I might go visit the people and say, hey, could I just go walk in your bathroom? <laughs> I understand they've remodeled it, so it won't quite be the same, but I'm talking about remembering what he started in us. I remember that at five years old. It, it, you say, man, you're only five. True, but I'm not five anymore. And I've held to that through the years, and it's become more precious to me. I realize I didn't really understand how precious it was then, but oh, it's so precious to me now. Paul said, I'm confident, I'm sure, I'm certain. I have this assurance as I'm writing to you. That what God has started in your life. There is no unfinished work that will be left unfinished if God has a say in it. Man, I've got projects around my house that still aren't done. Any men say amen? Oh, thank God. Any men say amen again? Did you hear that, babe? Okay. Oh, you wives hear that? Okay. I, I, I got unfinished projects, man. I got, and I, I just say those two words and I can think of things that man need to get done. So I, I, I put two holes in the ceiling yesterday. That project to get done somewhere along the way, but they're there now. And uh, uh, it, it's progress. It's progress. And I imagine if the good Lord ever lets us sell, decides that we should sell this house that we're in, that there might be a few unfinished projects still in there before that happens. Because that's, that's just the way things are for us as human beings. There's just always something that's not quite done. And we, we can look at our life, especially we're, when we're in certain seasons of life, and we can look at our life and say, man, I, 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 just, I wish this would have been that way. Or I, I have these things where God has dealt with my heart and my life and what's ahead, and I, it just seems unfinished. I just Maybe I'm holding to a word from the Lord, and I haven't seen it yet. And I, and I, I just want God... And, and in our humanity, we're like, how can I make that happen? Is there something, what do I need to do? What do I need to, how can I, you know, couldn't I just run to the spiritual Home Depot and pick up a few things and come back and finish this deal off? And, or, you know, if you're Lowe's person, go there. But, you know, you know what I mean? We, right? It's like these unfinished things, and I'm looking for ways to complete the task in my spiritual life. I'm not talking about being negligent, you understand. My unfinished projects in my house, sometimes I'd just rather sit down with a good book than pick up a paintbrush. So I'm not talking about being spiritually neg negligent. But we have to remember what God started in us. Paul said, I'm confident that what God started in you. Notice that, what he said. He, that ha he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Who's going to perform it? Who's going to perform it? Not you. Not me. The one who started it is the one that's going to perform it. 
See, what happens is God starts something in us and then we sort of get an idea of where he's going. Okay, God, now i got to finish it. That's what Abraham did. And I try to lay hold on what he started in me versus continuing to submit and surrender, which is what allowed him to start the work anyway. And staying in that place of humility and brokenness and hunger before God. And say, God, what you've started in me, I didn't start this. It was just your goodness that drew me to you. It was your goodness that found me in my lost condition. It was your love that reached to me when I couldn't even find my way up from where I was in the bottom. It was your grace and mercy that continued to preserve my life until I made it to an altar and could humble myself at your feet and you could forgive me of my sin and you could allow me to be washed in the blood through the waters of baptism in your name. It, It was you that did all that, Lord. I didn't do any of that. I just simply yielded to you and your word. And and you did that in my life. And you you filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You trusted enough that somehow in this fragile clay pot that has no value of itself, you were willing to put your spirit inside of me. And you would do this. And I didn't do any of that. I just simply was yielded and available and humbled and honored and And you did these things. You started this work, Lord. There's not a one of us here that have achieved anything in God that we did ourselves. Hear me. I'm going to say that again. There is not a one of us here in this room that has achieved anything in God that we've done ourselves. Now, we may have been obedient and responded to him, but I promise you, the idea, the strength, the inspiration, the utterance, the you fill in all those blanks, it all came from him. But you will hit places in your journey. I will hit places in my journey of life where I'll begin to question God. Will I I ever see the finish of what you've started? Is this ever really going to... The Apostle Paul addressed that in the church at Philippi. He said, I'm confident. He that started this in you, he's going to perform it. Until he returns and takes the church out of here. That's what it means until the day of the Lord. Or the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know how much hope that gives me? you know how much assurance that gives me? Sister Priscilla, I'm holding on to some things I haven't seen yet. But I got a word from the Lord. I'm going to see it with my own eyes. So I'm holding on to it. I remember when I got the word, walking through an airport, being very spiritual. So I'm holding to that word. I'm going to see it with my own eyes. Am I going to produce it? No. The one that started it in me, the one that started it in you, he will perform it. So what do I have to do? I have to purpose to stay in the process. 
my human nature grows impatient. My human nature gets my own ideas about how it could or should happen. Or the God of this world distracts me. And I'm more interested in the things of this world than the things of God. And so I go off. Those are God's unfinished products. Where I bailed on the process, not where he did. Pray with me right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, it's you that started the work. It's you that started the work. It's you that started the work. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You just got to live enough life. You got to stay in the process. And if you'll stay in and submitted to his will and to his word, we can hold fast to the word of God that God will perform what he began. He'll complete. He'll complete it. You're not laboring in vain. He'll complete it. You're not enduring in vain. He'll complete it. You're not persisting in vain. He'll complete it. He'll do it. It's the same Apostle Paul that wrote the words, Be not weary in well-doing. In due season you'll reap if you faint not. Man, somebody needs to hear this this morning. God will perform it. God will perform it. God will perform it. Let me read just a couple more verses. I'll be done. Verse 9. Skip down there. Watch what he says. And this I pray. Notice Paul's prayer. That your love may abound yet more and more. That's what. That's what he's praying for. I'm praying that your love would abound more and more. He also said the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So he's saying, I want that love to abound more and more in your life. This is what I'm praying for. How? That's the what. Here's the how. In the knowledge and in all judgment. Why? That's the what, the how. Here's why. Verse uh, 10 that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. You understand, these things he's writing here, he started saying, this is what I'm confident of. This is what I know. God started something in you. He's going to perform it. And now he's addressing things that he's praying for them that will allow what God started to be performed. Does that make sense? So now he's praying. He said, I'm praying love will abound in you. 
If you want to see God's performed will throughout your life, love is going to have to be resident in your life and mine. Love is going to have to consistently be there. The love of God. Because the love of God covers a multitude of sin. The love of God reveals the will of God to me. The love of God. The Spirit of God operates through the love of God. The gifts of the Spirit operate through the love of God. And so Paul said, I'm praying for you. That your love may abound more and more and that it will abound in knowledge and in judgment so that you can approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere. What's he talking about that you could be sincere? I don't want you faking it until you make it. I don't want you to be hypocritical. I don't want you to be putting on a front. I want you to be sincere. Genuine, real. Right? And without offense. Those things hinder God performing in my life and yours. Do you see what he did? He told them what God was going to do and would do. And then he tells them what he was praying for them. He didn't shift gears and go some other direction. He was still dealing with the performing of the fullness of the plan of God in their lives. So he told them what he was competent in. Then he told them how he was praying. I can't be in. I mean, you may be able to fool me. I mean, probably not very hard, to be quite honest. You might be able to fool me, but you can't fool God. And so... You, you can come and, and sit on a pew. You can raise your hands. You can sing the songs. You can pray the prayers. I can do all of those things. But if it's not sincere, you're not, you, you may be fooling everybody, but you can't fool God. And so Paul is addressing this. You, I'm praying that if the love of God is there and it's in knowledge and in judgment then what's going to happen is you're going to approve of things that are excellent, of right things. You're going, to, you're going to be approving those things, and you're also going to be sincere. You're not going to try. He didn't say you're going to be perfect and without problems. And he didn't say you're going to take all your problems and air them out and try to make sure everybody knows. You're just going to be sincere before God. You're not going to try to be something you're not. Does that make sense? And without offense, I'm not going to let somebody offend me. I'm not going to hold something in my spirit against somebody else. These are things that keep God from performing what he started in us. They're roadblocks. And so he wants to remove them. Paul said, I'm praying about these things. I'm almost, verse 11. I like this. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Where did that fruit of righteousness come from? Oh, we didn't produce it. Which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Stand with me. I recognize the Holy Ghost 
this morning speaking very specifically. So if it seems like I'm being much more deliberate than maybe is typical, I am. But the Holy Ghost is. There has to be a confidence in God. In God. That he will do what he said he would do. And that if he started something in my life. That's not all that he has. He's going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means he's going to continue operating, working, functioning, fulfilling, performing. Until he comes and takes you out of here. So that tells me he's still got work to do on every one of us. And that he wants to do. And that he wants to operate in and through. And so you haven't plateaued. Or you haven't got all that God into. Somebody please hear this morning. There is so much yet. As long as you and I are still breathing. There is so much yet that God is wanting to perform through your life and mine. He has a plan and a purpose and a design and a desire. And we are stepping right now. We are stepping into the timing and the plan of God in the earth for the church. And there must come in us a confidence. I can't produce it. But he that started it in me is going to perform what he started. And he started it for his purpose. He started it for his kingdom. I'm done disqualifying myself. I'm done putting reasons about why I can't or he can't or this can't I believe the word of God what God started in me when he washed my sin away what he started in me when he filled me with the spirit God perform it God perform it here I am keep working perform it But I've failed, but I've faltered, but I've stumbled, but I've made a mistake. Okay, get up again and let God continue to perform in your life what he started. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I faltered. You, I don't. And I don't have to know. Find an altar. Put your face in the altar. Repent before God. Let him wash you clean. And let him perform in you what he started. Quit believing the lies of the adversary that God's done with you. If he started something in you, he'll perform it. You say, but I don't see how. Me neither. Me neither. I look across this room and I see... And I see your faces and I see things.
Seems like my life is going a direction that I believed God was going to do things. I held on to some in faith to some things that I thought he could do and would do with me and through me. But it seems like my life is, is, is going a direction. I don't mean a direction that's turning away from God. I just, it just seems like my life's going a direction that I don't see how God can do what I believe he's going to do. And I just, you know, I had faith for it at one point. But now it seems like I just don't see that it can be rescued or turned back. You think Joseph ever thought that? Got these dreams that God gave me. I just don't see how it ever come to pass now. God will perform. God will perform it. God will perform it in your life. Talk to him. I. I'm waiting right here because there's things in the Holy Ghost that I'm just waiting. So just talk to him. Iralamando rokoye iaramando robokoshiti arabahasha Neledi arabasheto robokoye ti arabashetelledi arabaha Jesus, in your name, Jesus, in your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My goodness. We have stopped streaming. By design, I asked them to stop that. Brother Rigo and Sister Denise, when I prayed for you just a while ago, as you all continue to yield to the Spirit of God, 